0: The podcast this week is sponsored by 2nd Century Fox, creators of the world's most entertaining and dramatic illusions. From comic tales of poor people being oppressed by the elite, to dramatic fables about poor people being oppressed by the uh, elite, to sweeping sagas about uh, poor people being oppressed by... Look, can't they oppress someone other than just the poor people? I'm an equal opportunities oppressor. I've oppressed along with the best of them. Now where's that screenplay I wrote? All the tabletop are playing news. We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse. And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG.
1: Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Russ, a.k.a. Morris, or Morris, a.k.a. Russ, and with me this week is...
2: Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Roleplayers. Russ has ever, it is a total delight to be here. Hello,
1: Peter. Hello. Oh. Oh. We're not alone. No. Wait. Uh, what? <laughs> this is... Oh. <laughs>
3: <laughs> this is our last
1: guest of the year, and we've got oh. a great guest for our last guest of the year, because we have got none other... Then Sean K. Reynolds, who's worked at TSR, he's worked at Wizard of the Coast, he's worked at Paizo, he's currently working at Cook Games, and I'm, I'm sure I've missed a couple in there as well, I think, Sean, have I? That's, it's, that's most of them, but yeah. Yeah.
2: He's, uh, he's, he's one of those people that. When did you start? When you were 17? Crikey. Yeah.
1: Yeah, when you say when you say industry yeah. veteran, Sean is kind of up there near the top of the list. I think.
3: Well, I know you know Jonathan Tweed or Jeff Grubb, but I'm about five or ten years behind them. I've been around for 25 years now. Yeah, that's yeah. a long time. We're all getting old. That's it's, uh, it's, let's, that. let's not say that again. Shall
1: we?
2: <laughs> Thanks,
1: Bruce. <So> we have <laughs> this thing
3: at, at MCG because Monty and Bruce and I have known each other for a long time, and Monty and Bruce have yeah. known each other for even longer. And we tell stories that are TSR stories, and we realize right. that, oh, that's a story that was 20 years ago, and we stopped saying 20 years ago because it makes it sound old, so we never just say, it, it was a while ago. Oh, a while ago, yeah. this thing happened. <laughs> yeah, nice. Shall we dive into the week's news?
2: I think that's an amazing idea. We totally should.
1: There isn't a massive amount of news. It's coming up to Christmas, so this is no. going to be fairly short and sweet, I think.
2: Yeah, yeah well, um, well, before really we, we do that effort. I just want to
1: dive in you know the the big polls that are going on so we've got at yes. the moment we've got the uh, favourite podcast polls which end ah. on Sunday if you haven't voted listeners should know about those regular listeners in. should have voted for us I hope they have yes
2: I, I, we, I hope you have as well just because like you know having to do with you pouting for that it's <laughs> <some point>, just <laughs> ah <damn> there <it. laughs> we yeah uh, but another one's
1: just started, which is yes. the uh, every every year I do a most anticipated RPG at the Ooh, next year poll. Yes. Uh, so I do it in December, and then we mm. announce them in January once we've collated Ooh. all the all the all the nominations and all the votes. But the nominations are open at the moment, so all you've got to do is head on over to my site, jump into the thread, and if you're anticipating any RPG which mm. is scheduled to be released in 2021. Then mm-hmm. just, you know, just stick a link in there, and that's that's your nomination done. It's nice and easy, nice and quick. Yeah. Any 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 anything that gets nominated goes in the list, and then the big public poll will start in a week or two.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I mean, I'm personally most excited by the Savage Worlds Paizo was it Rise of the Rune Lords. That's uh, interesting. Yeah, that 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 I'm like I am. I am pretty interested in that because I, I don't know how it's going to work, but I'm like, oh, I'll give it a go. Yeah, yeah. Give it a whirl. So, right, let's do some news. So, uh,
1: let's Oh, talk there is actually one other thing that I'm super interested. in. Oh, sorry.
2: The, my personal, most anticipated one, the one I'm most invested in, is probably Level Up coming out next year. <laughs> <laughs> I thought well, I probably he- should actually say that because that is actually true. I'm super, but I was like, it just seems. Like, how can we get there? But it's on its way. I don't think yeah.
1: you can nominate a product that you're actually working on, Peter.
2: Oh, I'm not nominating everything. I'm just saying that's what I'm most excited about. Like, a, if short, if is our listeners would like to say something about that, then that's that's entirely on them. We can't do anything about it. Well, what about you, Sean? What, what's your what's the thing you're most excited about coming out next year?
3: Uh, well, not to toot my own horn, but we are starting to do layout for TALUS, which is the book that I've been working on for the past six months, converting it mm-hmm. from third edition D&D to 5e and to Cyber System, which nice. is one of those things where Monty always jokes that Talus takes twice as long as we ever expect for anything, and mm. I have been done with design for that book as of a month and a half ago, and stuff keeps coming back, oh we need this, oh we need that, so <laughs> yeah. still working on it, but it'll be next year. Is this thing as big as the
0: original, because yeah. the original was
3: mass? Yes, and because we're doing a CS version and a 5e version, technically we're actually right. putting out two 600 wow. some page books at the same time wow. it's pretty Whoa. crazy now I have, I have a copy of the original upstairs it really
1: is you could uh, you could beat someone to death with that oh, thing yeah. it's, uh, it's a brick
3: it would stop a bullet
1: yeah, yeah dual, exactly.
2: dual purpose in case of zombie apocalypse you've got your copy of Tullus defend yourself from zombies and avoid boredom at the same time exactly it sounds like wow. an immensely valuable product it does
1: it does <laughs>
2: Okay, Um, so the news.
1: So I wanted to start talking about a little bit of Star Trek, first of all, because uh, Modiphius, who published nearly every single RPG in existence, (laughs) uh, have announced that their license for uh, Star Trek has expanded slightly. Oh. Uh, They are now including, you know, the two, well, of course, you know, the two recent shows, everyone does. Uh, So Discovery Discovery and Picard. And Picard. Uh, are both going to be joining the sort of stable of different um, different sort of TV shows that they're because they already cover the original series, they already cover um, the next generation, Deep Space Nine, Deep I remember Space Nine, Nine and yeah. Did the, they do era.
2: Voyager as well? I don't remember. Well, it didn't ring any bells, but it's the same. Seems, it's the same seems kind feasible. Of, it's the same kind <laughs> of era, isn't it? I'm sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. I reckon you could probably fake it. Yeah, I reckon yeah. so. Uh, got, anyway, yeah, uh, I, I know the uh, Borgs come out, so that's like yeah, you got all the <laughs> you got all the bits. Yeah. Just make it
1: up. Yeah. Pretend. But now, now now, we've got Discovery and Picard. Nice. Nice. Yeah. It's intriguing. Um, there's also this picture with this kind of tricorder set. And I'm not 100% sure what it is, because all I can see is the picture, and it's quite small. But uh, oh. it's like an original ser- – you know like the original series of Star Trek had like a tricorder, and it's mm-hmm. in this little sort of waist pouch thing, satchel mm-hmm. thing? So um, it's a got this site, set, which is site. yeah, which is kind of like this shoulder slung, looks like a shoulder slung satchel with cards or something in it. Okay. I'm not sure how it works. Might, might <laughs> it might have <laughs> drugs. It might have
3: drugs. <laughs> you never know. Yeah,
1: Who yeah. knows? Who knows? It might have an actual tricorder in it, for all I know. That would be amazing. Okay, gotta kick-start is this
2: that. a product coming from Modavius, or Yes.
1: Well, they've, they've oh. published a picture of it. I assume I assume it's a project coming, coming from them. All right. I'll have a look at this
2: on um, Alicia order.
1: Yeah, I'm not I I'm not 100 percent sure what it is. I I would investigate it and uh, I'll yeah. find out for next week exactly what it is, because I can't see right now.
2: Yeah. Oh, that sounds interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to kind of go back
1: twenty years, briefly. So about twenty years ago, the open game license. Launched, and there was a whole rush of companies. There was Nicomatic Games, and there was Fiery Dragon, and there was, uh, I think, Monty Cook had his a Press at the time. Yeah. There was loads of them, there was an awful lot of games. But one of them was Fiery Dragon Productions, and um, I, I remember them well. They were, you know, a really friendly, lovely um, bunch of guys, and they produced an adventure called uh, Nimoran's Vault. Hmm. Uh, this was like 2001, I want to say, 2000, 2001, really, really early on. One of the, one of the, first, one of the first Avengers out. And uh, this was a, a, an adventure which uh, started with the reading of a will, oh. which was a premise that grabbed me right from the start. Uh-huh. And then it was basically a kind of dungeon crawl after that. But uh, Fiery Dragon are back after 20 years.
2: Ooh. Getting with, the band back together. Well, yeah,
1: getting the band back together. So, this is the 20 year anniversary of Namoran's Vault. Yeah, yeah. So, they've repackaged it. It's not, it's a 20th anniversary edition. They say it's not a rewrite. It's not a complete mm-hmm. reboot. It's the same, it's the same, uh, it's the same adventure, but it's kind of, you know, um, spiced up a little bit with new art and, um, um updates for fifth edition. Mm hmm. But uh, yeah, I I I'm, I'm definitely going to buy this because this this is this is one of those nostalgia buys. Even if I didn't actually get to run it, it's kind of one of those things that I feel that I have to have on my shelf. <laughs> like so many things I've got mm. like hundreds and hundreds of games on my shelves that I will never ever get to run them <laughs> uh, or even read half of them. Some of them I just look at them and just stroke That's them true. and just say, "Oh, you're
2: shiny." <laughs> It, it's maybe as disconcerting it. as it sounds, i got to say.
1: Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah it's. Uh... Yeah.
1: Did we cover the June um, books last week? We did, didn't we? Yes, just we talked three... about the artwork and it was yeah. very exciting for me. Yeah. Um, mm. So I was speaking to Andy Peregrine yes. just the other day. Yes. And he's going to be coming on the podcast in January, actually. January the 8th, nice. he's going to be coming on to talk about June
2: Because uh, he's had that uh, really successful Kickstarter with the um, Opera House.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Mm. Um but he was he was talking about what's coming out for June. Uh, and these are actually coming out for pre order, I think today. Thursday. Mm. Today's Thursday, isn't it?
2: Yes. Yes, today's Thursday. It's a
1: it's a
0: it's a pandemic. It, linear
2: it's time so. is the concept we've long abandoned and then we've we found yeah, it I mean, imperial, I mean. gone back to imperial time, which <laughs> yeah. is measured in, like, you know, uh, the lunar calendar. So, yeah, that's, that's why Russ is confused.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I never know what day it is these days. So, yeah, uh, I have no idea. But anyway, this is what you can pre order for, for June, presumably as of today. So, um, so we've got the standard edition core rule look. Oh, nice. Which is the one with their nice kind of, um, artwork of, uh, the three characters and, the uh, sandworm making this kind of like beautiful halo behind the, Yes, it's just well, that same glass effect.
2: That was very that's nice. A lovely, yeah. lovely, mm.
1: lovely, lovely cover. Then we've got the three collector's edition core books, mm. each of which is a different, uh, house from the, uh, mm-hmm. f- from the series. And these are kind of, uh, yeah, green, yeah, red, Trades, purple. Sardaukar and Harkonnen, yeah, yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they've got, they've got like the house logo or insignia mm-hmm. on the, on the front cover. Uh, We've got a Dune Player's Journal. I'm not 100% sure what that is, but Andy did tell me it's similar to the Vampire 5th Edition Journal. (laughs) That didn't help me much because I don't know what that is
2: either. But apparently... I'm going to say like a character sheet with a note section.
1: I'm guessing that's the sort of thing it is. If you call
2: it a journal, it sounds much nicer. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, We've got a Game Master's Toolkit, which is kind of like a a, a, a GM screen with a 32-page booklet. Yes. And then we've got some dice. We've got some blue dice, and yes. we've got some sand-coloured dice.
3: Does it have a tricorder?
1: But not a tricorder, no. Why? Well, uh, I don't I even
2: know why we're covering this. this is they're both using the
1: 2D20 <laughs> system, so presumably you can use your Star Trek tricorder in
2: a Game of Dune. Okay, I'm One hopes. It, but they're on warning. But <laughs> tricorders will get out. That's what i say.
1: Well, we'll know a lot more about that stuff on January the 8th, when Andy comes on to talk all about that.
2: Marvelous, Marvelous. Yeah. So, I, I
1: learned about a Seinfeld RPG the other day. Really? I
2: saw this on <laughs> Dicebreaker. <laughs>
3: <Sorry>. <laughs> That's what I thought. George, as well. George's face <laughs> is like...
2: It was just like the perfect... No. I was, like I was, I was <laughs> equally surprised. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, so, it's called a uh, uh, Tricofeld. And it's a Seinfeld RPG. So it's like a sign. Um, and... Uh, it combines like the the ninety sitcom with right. the with a, a science fiction RPG system called Traiker, I believe, which has been around for a while. And there's this. Yes. P- I'm looking at this kind of black and white line art interior. It looks like a, a saddlebound booklet, and you've got a picture of George and a picture of a um, uh, Lane. You look. You look speechless. I, 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 I,
2: that's the sound of my brain uh, switching gears without a clutch. Well, it's like, I, 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 yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, okay. This, this is all about creativity and coming up with strange and unlikely combinations. It's oh, a game yeah. about nothing. <laughs> yes, exactly. exactly. <laughs> the, um, the observational comedy about political machinations. Yes. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, there's good news and there's bad news. Well, the good news is that this, yes. this thing apparently exi- Well, if you're, if you're a Seinfeld fan, the good news is this thing exists. The bad news is it's already sold out. Huh. Oh. Um, okay. So, so the, so the creator, uh, said that if he, if he reached a certain number of followers on Twitter, he would create yes. this thing. Yes. He reached that number of followers. Yes. And, and by the time Dicebreaker found out about it, uh, the physical copies had already been sold out. So you can't have it. All you can do is gaze, gaze wistfully at, at the picture. and No game for you. No. <laughs> I see. Oh. <laughs> I've been a long, long time since I've seen
2: Seinfeld. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. There is a game out there. If you like Seinfeld and Troika, and if you like both and RPGs, then you're set, except you aren't because you can't get it. <laughs> okay, well... Um, Thanks for that, Grinch.
3: <laughs> so sorry, more Christmas,
2: Christmas
1: it. Oh, well.
2: Never mind. Uh,
1: what other news do we have? We are running out of news already because, as I said, it is quite a, quite a, a light week. Uh, uh, anyway. Green Running The yeah. Lost Citadel. Oh. So, I don't know an awful lot about this, but uh, this is a uh, role playing game. Mm hmm. Seven decades ago, there were cities upon cities, kingdoms, and nations. Cultures met each other in war, travel, and trade. Humans, dwarves, and elves and people made their fortunes across vast lands for two millennia. And then, apparently, rather unfortunately, rather carelessly, I think, the world ended.
2: Oh, not really. That was careless. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: That must have been 2020, I guess. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Too soon, Russ. Too soon. <laughs> yeah.
1: 2020 is nearly over 2021 is going to be an amazing year promise it's going to be good
2: (laughs) I'm just going to do some deep breathing exercises please continue
1: anyway so the world's ended all these nations they've crumbled magic has sputtered apparently nature has sickened and civilizations have died and so this is a dark fantasy role playing game
2: okay from
1: Green Running. Um, apparently this has been one of those sort of, uh, COVID delayed, um, books as well, which, uh, mm. I'm, I'm familiar with being on the, on the other end of one of those myself. Oh, wow. Um, going, going the opposite direction, sending a pallet of books to the US and have been stuck in US customs for weeks now. Just taking an exit, all these new COVID restrictions have just been sitting there on a pallet for weeks. Yes. But anyway, yeah. I digress. Um, yes. Uh, so uh, the losses are world playing. It is uh, right. uh, now. It was available in PDF. Uh, PDF. Previously. It's now available in print, and uh-huh. also there's a GM screen, and Ooh. it's uh, powered by Fifth Edition. I see. As, as I see. most things, as most things are these days. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that is it for the news. I think we're done. Okay.
2: So. What character are you playing in today's Barry's and Bear Owl's game? I'm playing a rouge. Uh what now? A rouge. I heard about it on the internet. A rouge? What on earth is a rouge?
1: Well, it's like a sneaky character who picks locks and steals stuff. you know, a rouge.
2: Uh you mean a rogue. What's that then? A rogue is what you just said. No,
1: I said I was a rouge.
2: One of the marital classes. Uh my friend, I think you may have stumbled across a common internet misspelling. Why? Are people not spelling Rouge correctly? No, no. What I mean is that Rouge is a frequent misspelling of the word Rogue. It's quite common online, you know. Ha. Huh. So this blusher I bought isn't necessary? Necessary? No. But I gotta say, you look amazing. Although the Rogue isn't a marital class, it's a martial class.
1: Oh, why, well, Thank you. <laughs> anyway, what are you playing?
2: Me, I'm a Paladin. Uh, what now? A Paladin. I fight evil on Spike fiends with my fellow lads.
1: Don't you mean a paladin?
2: Um, maybe? Anyway, I can't wait to slay an evil demon with a mighty coup de gras.
1: Eh? Blow of fat? Pardon? Coup de gras? That means blow of fat? I think you meant coup de gras, which means blow of mercy.
2: Oh, I thought that meant uh, to mow the lawn in French. Well, never mind. Oh, well, silly me.
1: Uh, yeah, you're uh, thinking of Mardi Gras, which means... Fat Tuesday, but gra and grass are two different words. You can tell because they are spelled differently, pronounced differently, and they mean different things. Are
2: you sure?
1: Perhaps we should ask the wizard. Hey, so Peter, I was, uh, I was walking down the road the other day and uh, I saw this bunch of really cool, good-looking people. Cool, good lucky that could only be our patrons yep man i have never seen such a well-informed debonair bunch in all my life yeah right you know why is
2: that i don't know you tell me well if i was forced to speculate i guess it's because they listen to our top secret super exclusive bonus episode every week bonus episode what yeah each week our patrons get an extra half hour or even more of extra content that nobody else gets to hear. Oh, wow! That's amazing! Where can
1: they find this?
2: Oh, it's pretty simple. You just head over to patreon.com slash morris and pledge a monthly donation. Anything from a dollar to whatever you think we're worth.
1: Huh, I did a, uh, a scientific calculation once, just to see how much we're worth. Oh, yeah? How much? Uh, you probably don't want to know. Probably for the best. Anyway, if you enjoy our podcast, please head on over to patreon.com slash morris and, you know, just... Pledge a little.
2: That's Patreon.com slash Morris. And thank you so much for your support. We couldn't do this without you.
1: I reckon we could. Shh. Shall we talk about you then, Sean? Always. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what would you like sure. to start talking about first? Do you want to talk about uh, the current Kickstarter? Because it ends, I believe, in two days. We're kind uh, of just getting in on
3: the end of it, I think. Ooh. Yeah, it's actually tomorrow, uh, 5 p.m. Pacific time, since a lot of the MCG people mm. are here are in Pacific time zone.
1: Uh, are you going to have a post-Kickstarter pledge manager that people can jump on?
3: Yes, we always yeah, do. it. It okay. normally so, opens up two weeks afterwards. But if you get in, you know, I don't know, is this going to go live today? Uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow, okay. We'll get so it, yeah, we'll get could it live as early
1: as possible tomorrow.
3: Nice. We could get in, and back it for a dollar. You know, if you have no time to decide, and then come in for the pledge manager. Right. So this is for the cipher system. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, it deals with not just superheroes, but heroes in general. If I yes. if I understand it correctly, can you talk a little bit about the two? So we got two books. I know there's been things added since, but um, we've got a superhero book and we've got one that deals with kind of like uh, sort of non-human heroes who deal with sort of tragedies and disasters and sort of like uh, firefighters and
3: people like that. So this is the Heroes of the Cypher System Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. And uh, the two initial books are Claim the Sky, which is a, a high cinematic Marvel Cinematic Universe sort of superhero game where, you know, superheroes have been around for decades, people know about them, like literally there was a superhero who ended World War II, Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, then the other initial book is called First Responders, and it is about regular people uh, on Mm -hmm. the front lines of dealing with things like pandemics and avalanches Mm -hmm. and building fires and things like that, and it's about regular people doing heroic acts that save lives. And we're we're kind of mixing it up a little bit. It's it's a it's a source book for the Cypher system, but yeah. we are tuning our character types, which is what we call, what most people call a class. Um, mm. And we're making these character types so that you can have a person who's really skilled at various types of things, whether mm. it's a firefighter sort of skill, an EMT sort of focus, that sort of thing. But you, it's kind of like the old Dark Sun in that you have a mm-hmm. posse of characters on, mm-hmm. on your roster. And so... The GM will present you a scenario and you'd say, Oh, you know what? We're going to need an e- EMT, a firefighter, and a person who is like good at extraction. Right. So, once mm-hmm. you play this, I'll play that, I'll play that. But from game to game, you might have different roles, but your entire posse gets experience as you play. Right. That's so, it's kind of, of like troop area. play
1: almost in a Right. Of, yeah. Yeah.
3: Right. And uh, because of the Cypher System supplement, uh, you can use it on its own, just in its own, like basically the real world sort of. Uh, setting, But you can also plug it into any other cypher system game. So if you're playing the Strange, if you're playing the Numenera game, um, I don't know why I said the Numenera, that was weird. I'm writing a Numenera book right now, so I ha- tend to say the Numenera <laughs> as a definite article. Um, but you could use it with a Claim the Sky or our horror book Stay Alive that I wrote. So you can, have a, you can actually have a situation where in one session you're playing superheroes defending a city against an alien invasion. Mm. And then in your next session you're like, okay, now we're going to switch and we're going to play all the regular people who are dealing with, oh, this building is on fire or oh, the aliens have torn up the street here and we've got buses falling off of bridges. And so you're kind of like seeing two different sides of that scenario.
1: Right. So going into the sort of... Um the more the, the more mortal hero side of it, what sort of adventures would, because I, I can imagine uh, maybe sort of like you'd send someone off to rescue people from a burning building or a broken bridge or you just mentioned an alien invasion just now. What sort of adventures could you expect to, to send a group
3: of? Uh, basically any sort of disaster scenario that would require some sort of emergency responder. And, and we're going to have uh, Sean and Monty, I believe are the primary designers on this. Mm -hmm. and they're just going to cover all sorts of stuff uh avalanches uh buildings on fire landslides earthquakes tsunamis pandemics uh all that sort of thing you're just
1: talking about 2020 there (laughs)
3: yes i'm just reciting news headlines at this point Um, but that's the sort of thing we want to like because 2020 has been a horrible year for Mm. everybody we wanted to shine a light on the people who are real heroes in the world and really doing the hard work of saving people's lives. Mm.
1: So, was this year partly I'm oh, inspiration?
3: Definitely. That's the wrong word. But, uh,
1: you know, what was the catalyst for, for this yes. project? exactly. Yeah. And moving over to the uh, more superhero side of things, then. So, this is a sort of traditional sort of DC, Marvel stuff. What's the sort of power level we're talking at here? Are we from mm-hmm. X Men, Superman, or can it range?
3: This is, that's a good question, um, because obviously you have you have Jessica Jones and Daredevil on yeah. one end, mm-hmm. and then in the middle you have the Avengers, who are very powerful, and then in the high end you have characters like the Silver Surfer, who, you know, is, is doing mm-hmm. big yeah. cosmic level stuff. Um, the cypher system is pretty flexible, um, we already have the core book that covers, kind of lightly covers superheroes as a genre, mm-hmm. and introduces, like, over the top, like really high level difficulties. We want to push that a bit further. Um, in, in terms of our game, like something that has an impossible difficulty is a level 10 challenge. Right. Superheroes already go up to like level 13 in our core book. Uh, this is going to push that up to 15. So you can have really weird stuff like, oh, I need to go and punch the meteor that's going to hit the earth. Otherwise everybody <laughs> dies. But the game also handles really low-level heroes uh, on top of that. Uh, I actually ran a playtest, not a playtest, just a, a preview of the game to uh, our, our team. Uh, we mm. have a new community manager, Latia, who has been on board for about two months now, mm. and uh, she had never played the Cypher System before. And so I ran a little mm. one-shot supers game with, literally, it was teenager superheroes who had just right. gotten their powers, and they were inspired <laughs> by the Avengers. And so we had like a Captain America analog and an Iron Man analog and that sort of thing. And... Uh, the game handles like like baby superheroes really really well. I did a similar mm. thing in uh, Stay Alive, the the horror book mm. that I did, where the characters are brand new vampires, mm. and mm. basically uh, we have these things called power shifts, which is you're just you're really good at X. Like you could have a power shift in strength, or a power shift in agility, or in healing, or in like one of your like you could be I'm I have a power shift in eye lasers or whatever. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But. You can normally a character has three of those, you can dole those out more sparsely and say, no, you only have one. And then you're, kind of, you're hoping to get your second one eventually. So mm. there's, there's a wide range. The game handles it pretty well. But uh, I, I want to make sure that we have a lot of fine granularity in being able to choose yeah. what we're doing. But uh, the cipher
1: system, as you say, is it's a sort of lightish and very flexible system. And uh, it's, it's covered superheroes before, I believe, hasn't it? with. Uh, what was what was the previous uh, previous book
3: Uh, well the core rule book has it but there's a adventure called dread expectations Uh, which I think was a superhero that could be it that could be it yeah
1: Yeah. so what what is it about the cyber system that makes it sort of so flexible that it can handle you know at one end superheroes because if you think about something like the, the old D20 system it would struggle to do you know sure. superheroes and gritty sort of street level you know uh, dungeon borders how what makes this cipher system able to you know bend to that degree
3: well it's because the game already has the built-in difficulty range is this is so routine that you can do it without a roll yeah. on the low end to the high end of this is impossible this is an impossible task and yeah. it's hard for low- and mid-tier characters to get to those impossible challenges. But mm. by the time you're a fifth- or sixth-tier character, mm. something that is impossible is within the realm of possibility for yeah. your character. Now you have to expend a lot of resources mm. and roll really well and have like the proper tools and such to do something like impossible. And, I, and by impossible in this context, I'm meaning something like catch a building that's falling as opposed oh, to yeah. like punch the mm. sun. Um, yeah. But we can push the realm of possibility into something even more extreme when we realize that we are dealing with not just superhuman characters, but meta superhuman characters, mm. since we're just pushing those boundaries.
2: Degrees of impossibility sounds yes. like a bit of a conceptual challenge, but I'm, yes. I'm like, yeah,
3: yeah. it's degrees of infinity. Sort of
1: <laughs> so I noticed you just did something interesting with this one is that uh, even if you haven't played the Cypher System before, and even if you don't have a Cypher System Core Rulebook, you're giving mm. a PDF, the Cypher System Core yeah. Rulebook, away to, is it pretty much every pledge here?
3: Every pledge level gets the Cyber System Core Rulebook in PDF for free. Yes. Yeah. So that's, that's
1: a, a big old that's, rulebook. Yeah, it's not a small book either, is it? That's oh. like a few oh, hundred oh, pages. 80's. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> something like yeah.
3: that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that's that's incredible, and that's totally for free. So even if you've mm. never played the Cyber System before, you've got everything from this Kickstarter you need to, you know, plunge in yeah. and get started with your superhero gaming.
3: And okay. we're setting we're just, it up so that if you already have that PDF, mm. you uh-huh. could just give the email address of a friend and give it to oh, them. That's a great idea. So we encourage people good. to hand off a free reward to somebody else. If yeah, that's need.
1: a great idea. Oh, that's pretty sweet. So, so you mentioned a third book earlier, a secret third book. It's not that secret yes. book. Uh, it's on the, so the, first, page,
3: <laughs> the first stretch goal book is called The Origin. Yes. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if you want a more subtle sort of superhero uh, scenario where – like you're just kind of the first generation of superheroes. They're not known to the world. Mm. Uh, there might be a government organization or a private organization that's trying to find these supers that have appeared. You got to keep everything on the down low. That's uh, that's what the origin is. And uh, Bruce is writing that. He has mm. a really great pitch up on the the Kickstarter page, which is we, we folded it also over onto our website. Yeah. Uh, but if you want a more low-key less like there's no people running around in in capes and flashy costumes yeah, in spandex the origin.
2: yeah
3: us so you kind of cover it, an entirely different genre than you'd get from the dc or marvel universes hmm.
1: i always think the monty cook games i think were probably one of the first of those big big sort of sort of like quarter million half million dollar rpg kickstarters i think when monty did that with Numenero, i think it might have been the first one i'm not sure if it, it wasn't was. it was yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it
3: started off like the original stretch goal for numinero was twenty thousand dollars yeah and they just suddenly kept hitting stretch goals and finally it you know <laughs> half a million there we were yeah so that's, yeah. that's the point where monty yeah. and China said i guess we need to make a game company for this because we can't do it ourselves yeah
1: and i think i think yeah. it made a lot of people sit up and say wait a minute this is a thing that you can actually make, revolve an entire business around.
3: Yeah. And I, I, think, I think Monty's been a pioneer for a lot of that. Like yeah. the first D20 PDFs were mm. Malhavik Press. And Monty's like, uh, this 32-page PDF, how about I sell it for $5? And yeah. people are like, I will buy that for $5. And that just became the standard for the longest time. Yeah, no, I remember the days when games. it was
1: RPG Now at the time, wasn't it? It been mm-hmm. before mm. Drive RPG and... Uh, there weren't that many people on there at the time compared no. to compared to now. It's literally thousands and thousands, yeah. like every day. But back there, there was you know there was hundred people selling, maybe something yeah. like that in total. That. And Monty was definitely right there at the beginning.
2: Yeah, but, but I mean, it's not it's not been guaranteed success for everyone. No, I can think like uh, poor old John Wick had uh, some of his like plans not work out because he couldn't get the funding for him. But yeah.
1: Yeah, well, it's harder yeah. to stand Monty out. Monty has been TV very
2: reliable about it. Yeah, mm, mm.
1: but but yeah, I think Monty, when he did that, and he did that sort of mm. first half million dollar Kickstarter. But then was it like six months? Was it a year later? Six months later, he did another one, For
3: the and screen, then you've been probably. doing
1: two a year ever since. And every yes. single one of them, you know, they vary a bit, but they've all been one of those sort of top tier, really big hitting, sit up and take notice. Wow, that's a lot of money, mm. kind of. Uh, you know, big, big Kickstarters. And it's kind of like you guys have pretty much nailed how to do Kickstarters.
3: Yeah, in a way our, that, our 11th or 12th. and yeah. Yeah, We've had a lot of practice. Mm. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's part of our business model where we do one mm. or two Kickstarters every year. Mm. And mm. the people who follow us and, and like our stuff know that we work really hard to deliver some really high quality rewards yeah. and a lot mm. of extras that you wouldn't get if you just Found it on a store shelf. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, things
2: like Invisible Sun, that's.
3: Yes. Well, you know, clearly no one was going to buy a $275 game. Oops, they did.
2: <laughs> People
3: still complain about that to this day,
2: actually. <laughs> oh, I, I guess. The degrees of impossibility, I guess, is yes. coming back to uh, well, all
1: what, stuff, yeah. My takeaway from that, in particular, yeah. like Invisible Sun, and some of the other uh, sort of prestige stuff, like you know, like the Beetle and Grimm stuff mm. for D&D, which is sort of like three, mm. $400 for a mm-hmm. um, box set of Curse of Strahd or whatever. Yeah. With loads of coins and handouts and tokens and yeah. stuff, but the the fact that these prestige items can exist in the yeah. industry tells right. me that the industry because I don't think you could have done that twenty years ago.
3: Oh no! no.
1: Um, it tells no. me that the industry is in a healthy place, and the fact that it's like the car industry—the fact that Ferraris exist—is right. a good thing because it shows that the yeah. sort of automobile industry is a healthy, thriving thing.
3: Yeah. Yeah, because there's not much you can do with a Ferrari that you can't do with a Honda. It's yeah, exactly. Ferrari exactly. is more flashy and faster. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But- well, I do have these things we call speed bumps
2: because I think <laughs> you can't find that. And speed limits. <laughs> the Honda starts coming up ahead. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, yeah, no, I, just, I, 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 I think it's important that the industry, you know, is able to
3: support these things at both ends of the scale. Mm. Sure. And and the fact that we have PDFs for you know of very low cost, mm. and I don't I don't mean just we, I mean you know, any RPG yeah. publisher. Mm, means yeah. that people who want to play a game and don't want to pay the three hundred dollar version, they still have a version that they can get.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
2: So And the amount of gaming that goes on online as well. Oh, yeah. like, I I find it a struggle to imagine having to have a book open and referring to a computer screen as well. That seems sort of almost counterintuitive to me now.
1: Yeah. 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 Well, certainly the way I've gamed just in the last year has changed massively. But you mm-hmm.
2: know,
1: it's been a year like that. I'm hoping i hoping to get back to face to face gaming next year because I do miss that a lot.
2: Yeah. yeah. There is something we so, uh, can't quite do. Yeah. I, I, I'm gonna say, like I said earlier, why not both? It feels like a really recursive episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can do both, of course. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you should do both. It's, it, it it both both forms have really valuable things that they bring to the experience Mm. i would say like you can get different you get different things from them but both are in my opinion really quite valuable and really quite enjoyable yeah yeah that's just my thing so sure you've uh Mm. you've worked for
1: you know some of the biggest RPG companies Mm. in the world over, yes. over the last sort of 25 years or so. So there's TSR. We, we said this earlier, but there's TSR, there's Wizards of the Coast, there's Paizo, mm-hmm. there's Montecrit Games, probably a couple of others in there that I, I've forgotten. When you, when you work for all these different companies, I realize a lot of them are kind of like the same people sort of redistributing themselves. But is, is it different yeah. working for each of these different companies or, or does that tend to make it pretty much the same, the same kind of gig over mm-hmm. and over again? What's the, what's the sort of,
3: yeah. I mean, they're different. Uh, and part of that is just how old I was at the time and in my level of experience at the time. Like when I started at TSR, I yeah. was 24 years old. I was one year out of college and mm. I had no experience working in the industry. So that was like my, I like, had worked at a video game company for a year doing their online stuff Yeah, and I went to TSR and now it's like, you're Jeff Grubb, you're Roger Moore. Like I know all <laughs> the names of these people. Like I've had books with your name on them, which was just mind blowing.
2: Yeah, I mean that—that that sounds like a really intense experience. Meeting people and saying, "But, but I have a book with your name on it on my bookshelf."
3: What? Exactly. <laughs> it, it's really hard not to like bring your personal collection to work and say, "Would you sign <laughs> this for me?" That—that—that <laughs> that, that would make things like maybe a little bit socially awkward, even though you really want yeah. to.
2: Yeah. I mean, did you do it?
3: No, I did not.
2: No, oh, it's, okay. it's funny
3: because <laughs> at, at some point when you've gamed with somebody and you've had lunch with them or yeah. like you've given them a ride home from the bar, it yeah. kind of takes takes some of the blood. You're like, oh, that's right. You're just a regular person like I am. Yeah. So I don't need to like, you know, be in awe of needing yes. an autograph. Um, and then... But, but it's all we nice had, well. we had, yeah. yeah. And then, we, then TSR started to have its real problems and mm. uh, the company was really struggling. We had a couple of rounds of layoffs. And then... Yeah. Wizards of the Coast came in and swooped in and, and, and saved us all. Working with uh, Wizards was like a, such a breath of fresh air. Mm. Like we realized mm-hmm. the company had, you know, enough money to be stable. It was successful. Mm. Uh, they already had their own uh, brands that they had been working on, like Match of the Gathering. Yeah. you heard yeah. of it. And so we, they just picked up and moved most of uh, the creative services people from TSR. And so... We just had like a little mini TSR within Wizards of the Coast. And then I, started, I switched from the web team to the design team mm. and started working mm. on Greyhawk. And that was an entirely different era. I had all these different new people that I was working with who were likewise super enthusiastic about RPGs and had their own experiences and, and different perspectives. Uh, and then I went to work on video games for a while at Interplay. Mm. And Interplay for a long time was a very successful company. But they mm. had made some mistakes and they had some bad contracts. And so, yeah. all three, four, five of the games that I worked on, uh, yeah. none of them came out oh. because of licensing problems or financial problems or whatever. Mm. Uh,
2: Frustrating. It yeah. It's
3: a very, very different situation to be like, cool, I get yeah. to work on the new Baldur's Gate. Oh, that's canceled. Okay. <laughs> oh, I get to work on the new Fallout. Oh, that's canceled. Okay. Oh, another Baldur's Gate game. No. An Exalted game. No. It's like, yeah. what I, yeah. what's going yeah. on? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you come to Paizo, and yeah. Paizo was so young at, when um, I started with them. They'd been around for like a year, maybe two years, and yeah. like everyone was just so excited about the games they were making, mm-hmm. and the company was like, it was so mm-hmm. lean, like mm-hmm. finances were rough just because they were mm-hmm. they were pioneering this whole we're gonna make these other product lines of Adventure yeah. Pass and such, yeah. but the love of the game was there, mm-hmm. and so that was that made me feel like I was back at Wizards of the Coast when everyone was just like, all right, we are here to make D&D games. We're here to make RPGs. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I left Paizo, did my own thing for a year, and then I was a contractor for Wizards of the Coast again. And... Mm -hmm. That was interesting because it was an entirely new team. Like, I knew Chris mm. Perkins and I knew Matt Cernet at the time, but I kind of only knew the other people through reputation. Mm. And I was not even going to be designing that. I was going to be working on a database of information so that when they had a license server said, We want to make a game set in Cormier, we could just say, Here's a 60 page PDF about Cormier. Right. As opposed to, Here are 20 years of products. <laughs> About 75% of which are out <laughs> of date now, don't read those parts.
2: Uh, off you. So it's <laughs> is that, is that kind of sort of
3: like an, an internal database at Wizards, which is yes so, yeah mm. yes it would have been just to share with with
1: partners oh, i imagine um, I imagine if uh, fans got hold of that they'd, uh, they'd love <laughs> well
3: you know it's funny because in working on that we realized that there were a lot of holes and things like we didn't have any official mm. write-up on what D D orcs were like mm. like we had the monster manual entry but that was about it we didn't have anything about their mm. their extended culture we'd get mm. people doing uh art for various products of orcs and they'd come in green Because people are like, well, orcs are green. It's like, well, no. Warcraft orcs are green. Games Workshop orcs are green. D&D orcs are gray. Mm. And so we had to start doing, like, Bibles about D&D to say Mm. this is what their culture is. This is what they look like. Let's have some new concept art. And a lot of the stuff was completely unwritten. And then we started working on the Volo's Guide to Monsters and Mm. realized that, Mm. yeah, a lot of the stuff is just not really written down anywhere. We need to concisely Mm. put this information together so that... Licensers can use it. We can use it, and the players can use yeah. it. Yeah, I guess that, otherwise you just get people effect. bringing in
1: baggage from other things, don't you? You end up with yes. Tolkien, or you end up with you know mm. whatever, which you. And then, which someone like Wizards needs to sort of stamp their thing and say this is yes. a a D anD D orc and it is not the same mm. as a Tolkien. Exactly. Orc.
3: Yeah. Exactly. Mm. Especially as the D anD D orcs came. Before the Games Workshop works, mm. yeah. and before the Warcraft works, and so yeah. you know you can't. It's like Monty did a review, a fake review of the Lord of the Rings movies. Like, oh, this is so derivative. Like, or you know, like elves and dwarves hate each other, and blah blah blah. <laughs> yeah. It's just a joke because you're like, oh, D and D's been doing this for years. Yes, there's a reason. For that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then after Wizards of the Coast, here I am with MCG, uh, and like I had been, they had floated a job at the time, yeah. which was a community manager job to me. Yeah. And I interviewed for it and uh, they, they offered me the job an hour and a half after my contract with Wizards of the Coast ended. Did so you need to interview half. for it? I mean, you know these, I did. these people, don't you? Well, it's, it, it's, it's because important. I wasn't yeah. doing design work. I was going to be mm. managing the community, doing the Twitter, the Facebook, dealing with marketing stuff, doing a bit of customer services and that. And I had experience in all those things. Mm. Like, as I joked, it's like, if you looked at my resume from college to now, and you subtracted all the game design. Well, all those other parts are actually exactly what the community manager needed. Yeah. Um, so, yes, I applied for that. There were a lot of other people who were high up and they're looking, but I'm the one who got it. And then a year and a half later, we uh, had our project manager leave. And so I kind of put on the project manager hat for a while. And then they said, oh, we have this stuff that needs to be designed, Would you mind doing design, you know, 75% of the time. And so I became designer again. Um, but working at MCG, you know, I've known Monty for over twenty years, mm. and I've known Bruce for over twenty years, and Charles and Tammy mm. for ten or fifteen, and and Shauna since when he and Monty, she and Monty started dating. So these are people that I've known for a long time, and they're people I've gamed with, they're people I socialize with. They're really like a family. Yeah. You know? And one of the, one of the goals mm. of MCG, like we've we've all worked for bad corporate environments uh, or freelance environments, and like they said, we want this to be the last place you ever work at. Mm. And I jokingly said, well, it sounds like you're going to kill me if I leave. (laughs) (laughs) But the truth is like, we work You haven't joined the game company, you joined the mob. (laughs) 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 It's 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 like people quit bosses, they don't quit jobs. Yes. Yes. And so like, we're a family. We're people who we, we game together. So we socialize together. We share personal experiences. I think think that comes
1: through though. I think, um, you know, obviously, like, uh, as fans, we don't see everything that goes on sort of on, on the inside of the company. But I think some of it does come through sort of on social media and just the, the way you you guys are. You're, you know, you're all, you're all friendly. You're all quite giving with your time. You're all quite, what's, what's the, I'm, I'm trying to think of the, there's a word that's happy. Happy? Well, it's not the word. But let's go with happy. That's not <laughs> friendly. Friendly, yeah. There is a word, but I'm reaching for and I just can't think. You think I was a writer or something? But anyway,
3: well, I tell people I'm paid to write, not paid to speak. So if I can't come up with a word like that, that's fine.
1: This is what thesauruses are for. Isn't it? <laughs> but no, it does. It does come through. And when you say a sort of family kind of feel to it, that I think definitely comes through.
3: Yeah, which I don't I mean, know if that's
1: intentional or not, but it's definitely
3: what what's received at this end. I mean, we we love what we're doing, and we think that if you're not loving what you're doing, then and then why are you doing it? Yeah, you know, mm. I mean, there are there are jobs that pay the bills, and there are jobs that fulfill you. Mm. And we hope that working at MCG is something that does both. Yeah. And you yeah. know, we are all close mm. enough to say, hey, I'm not liking at this aspect of my job. Do we need to be doing this? Is there someone else who could take over this aspect? I mean, we're we're all friends. We cry on each other's shoulders. We cry at the state of the world. We cry with happiness when we succeed. So we're, we're a very close team.
0: Yeah.
1: So, out of all these different hats you've worn, is there, is there anything that you say is probably like the closest to your heart? Like, is it designing? Is it, you know, what's the, what's the, what's the thing that really is, 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 what's the best thing that you do?
3: I mean, it it is a toss-up between design and development because I can't help but filter everything I see or read or hear through the idea of how would this be in a game or should this be in a game Mm. or why have I not put this in a game yet? Um, (laughs) The problem with a person who has a brain like that, is that I'm not thinking about my current project, I'm not thinking about the next cool project, I'm thinking about the next right, next yeah. cool project, mm-hmm. which is actually the sort of mentality you need as a freelancer, because you're trying to mm-hmm. land not the next gig, but the gig after that, so that you know that you have mm-hmm. continuing work. But I just have so many projects in my head that I have not put words down on paper, mm-hmm. in a digital mm-hmm. sense, in 10 years. But I'm like, oh yeah, there's that game that mm-hmm. I wanted to design, which is about X or Y or Z. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But a close second with that is development. I really like reading someone else's mm. stuff and saying, mm. oh, you know, you realize you mentioned this. There's actually an entire subsystem over here that you could tie that into. Right, yeah. Or, you know, oh, there's this you do this. How about making it associated with this creature? And I like taking mm. stuff that is, you know, a B or an A- and, in my opinion, bringing it up to an A. Mm. And like, it's like how an editor's job is to make the writer's... Finish work, look polished and excellent, so that you would never know that there was an editor involved. Yeah, yeah. that's like that's mm-hmm. kind of the joke. Is like if you're a good editor, nobody knows. Yeah, you the, know the young you Songevo was very the, <laughs> not they? The, uh... yeah. same thing with a developer. The developer says, mm-hmm. "You know what? This is a really dumb joke. This is a dumb Easter egg. Let's take this out." Yeah. Oh, you realize that this character's name is about ninety percent the name of a body part that you don't want to mention. Yeah, um, <laughs> or, or hey, <laughs> this, like this contradicts this, or you haven't yeah. explained mm-hmm. this,
1: or you know.
3: Yeah. Like I'm a teacher at heart. I, I trained mm, to be a teacher, yes. and I just took a left turn into game design. Mm. And so, when I can mm. take something that somebody has written and mm-hmm. show them how to make it better, so that in the mm. future they're automatically going to make it better, that that's that's my heart. Going. Yeah. Okay. Good. I've succeeded yeah. as a teacher. I've taught this person a skill so that they can be even more awesome than they were before. <laughs>
1: Do you ever see yourself going back to D and D at
3: any point? I mean, technically, I am. I'm writing a lot of 5e stuff these days. Oh, yeah, we of course. There's the uh, uh, Numenera yeah. 5e, which was and last year. with uh, yeah. That came out mm. early this year. It's hard to tell with how 2020 yeah, yeah. is. I think it was earlier this year. We've had a couple of 5e-compatible books. And then mm. next year, Talus comes out, which is a huge 3e campaign setting that we've converted to 5e into cyber System. Mm. So I work very often with Player's Handbook, the Master Manual, and the DMG. Um... Whether I would like ever work for Wizards and do some official D&D stuff, honestly, I don't have time. Mm. I'm really mm-hmm. busy working on MCG stuff and then mm. enjoying the fact that, you know, I've, I live with my girlfriend and her son and I'm renovating this basement that's my office. And so I don't have a lot of time to take on any additional work stuff. Sure. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's funny because a lot of people who don't work in the industry assume that there's these terrible rivalries between the game companies mm. like oh so-and-so hates so-and-so and this person from this one company can't stand this one and yes there are some of those because people are people yeah. and that's what we do but you know a lot of these game companies are here in the greater seattle area and so yeah. people from paizo game with people from wizards and mm-hmm. people from wizards game with people from green ronin and that sort of thing so we all know each other. We've worked together off and on over the years. And so there are many times where people say, Hey, I need, you know, someone to come collaborate on this or hey, Wolfgang mm-hmm. Bauer, can you fill in you know, and write a chapter of this source book that I'm doing? Yeah. We all are quite familiar with each other's work. And mm-hmm. uh if if I had the time and somebody asked me, I would definitely step up. Mm-hmm. But it's a question of finding the time.
1: Yeah. no, that's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Mon- Montecook Games is kind of, like, like you just said, in the last year or so, started to sort of, uh, dip its, I was gonna say dip its toes in, you're kind of plunging in on you into 5e with, as you said, Trollos, and there was Numenera 5th edition as well.
2: What was that? What was they the- had that really cunning marketing scheme, if you remember, yeah, which slip. was the, Bits of paper, maybe. Bits of paper with 5e e notes. Yeah, yeah the... I remember that, yeah. That was, <laughs> that was an
3: accident. That was not marketing. That was <laughs> purely an uh, accident. Uh, yeah, did yeah, that, right. yeah. that
2: was a
1: clever
3: idea. Put your bike back, mate? go on.
1: So, but what was the thinking between between sort of diving into 5e kind of headfirst like that rather than making everything a cipher system?
3: Well, you know, we, we're always trying to experiment and do new things, and we know that 5e is doing really well. And so we said, all right, let's do a Kickstarter and see if there's enough interest in us doing some 5e mm. stuff. And I think the original goal for that Kickstarter was $40,000 and it ended up getting four hundred or $500,000. Yeah, yeah. So we're like, okay, clearly there is a market for us to do some 5e stuff and people want us to do it. So let's work on that. And that was Numenera. That was like not mm. even traditional, you know, pseudo medieval fantasy. That was mm. science fantasy, science fiction in a fantasy mm. setting. Um, and then Tallis. Again, mm. also hit over five hundred thousand yeah. dollars, and certainly a lot of the tallest appeal is people who love the original tallest, and they are playing either Cipher System or Five E, and so they wanted to try it in the new system. But who knows how much? A half, a third of that is people who would say, "I would love to have a gigantic, fully written city mm. for Five E." Gimme. What about um, the
1: Numenera people, though? Were they did they tend to be Numenera fans who were already playing Cipher System who? decided to pick up the, the, the 5e version yeah. as well? Or were they new 5e people who were checking out Numenera for the first time through the 5e lens?
3: It's, it's both. Um, we have people who love Numenera, but they only have players who want to play 5e. Like we have GMs who have said, yeah. I love this setting. I want to run it for people, but my players won't play anything but 5e. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, here you go. Now you've got that as 5e and you can play it. Um, but we also have people who are like, oh, you know, I play D&D, I'm going to try this weird science fantasy stuff. And then people also who are old school gamers who remember adventures like Expedition to the Barrier Peaks. Mm-hmm. And they love throwing in some crazy super science stuff into their fantasy game. So it's a lot. I mean, that, that's the cool thing about Kickstarter is that you can have people who are your, your dedicated fan base who always back everything that you do. And they're always ready for the next big thing that you're doing. Mm-hmm. But you can also have people who've never heard of you before. You yeah. come in and said, "What is this? Who are you? Who are you know? Why should I back this? Oh, this sounds really cool." Just and just sound odd that someone could sort head. of
1: say, like, "Who is Monty Cook?" Games. It's just such a weird kind <laughs> of concept. I suppose that it must happen, but it's
3: yeah, you'd be surprised. But there there are a lot of people who don't even pay attention to who's on the cover of the book. I guess, so, and yeah. also there was a time at TSR when they didn't put the author names on the book covers because the owners mm-hmm. did not want to develop the authors as brands they wanted people to be mm. loyal to D&D and to TSR sure. yeah, yeah. not to people writing stuff like I've had yeah. at Gen Con like when I was at the Wizards of the Coast booth during when, you know back in the 3E era yeah. someone would come up to me like hey you know I'm looking for so and so and they would be asking for Monty or for Bruce or something yeah. and I'd say oh sure he's right over here he's doing signings cool and then they look at my badge maybe they'd be like D- how do I know you and I'm like well I wrote the Forgotten Realms campaign setting it's like oh yeah I have that <laughs> And my name is right there on the cover, yeah. but they don't necessarily like look at that name. The name is, it's, it's like the credits in a movie. You've got six pages of, um, you know, the key grip and the best boy. And like, yeah. what do they do? I don't know.
1: I suppose, yeah, you also got your different kind of levels of immersion into the hobby as well, which yeah. Would, yeah. would feed into that. Like, obviously, I pretty much know who everyone is just because it's my job to. But there, yeah. there's people yeah. who maybe play D&D once a month maybe don't even have a player's handbook of their own. Right. Uh, or maybe that's yeah. all they have. And they they don't know who, you know, Wizard of the Coast is. You know, right. you, yeah. you say Wizard of the Coast. Who are they? Are oh, they the people who pr- produce that book you've got? Yeah.
2: You know. And there are people who don't know that this is the fifth edition of Dungeons and & Dragons. And they're, they're very much enjoying their fantasy elf yeah. game. Yeah. And that's pretty cool. I like it. But, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> um, right. So we, uh, we're going to need to wind up sometime soon. Uh, was there anything about the Kickstarter you wanted us to quickly dive into before we go um, that we may have Ooh. missed, uh, Sean?
3: Uh, I mean, we've just unlocked an intrusion deck, which is a, a cool prompt for GMs to fiddle with the, the current scenario. Um, and we've got dice and a playmat. Uh, I mean, there's there's a lot of fun stuff, even if you're not into the cypher system. Yeah. There are resources mm-hmm. there to look at. Yeah. Um, but we're excited about it. It's successful. This we We did not... Expect this to be a, a blow-up $500,000 Kickstarter. We're quite you happy with where You must have thought now. it might have been. You
1: know, there's always that chance.
3: There's always <laughs> that chance. It's not like but... that
1: doesn't happen to you, is it?
3: And also, this is like, you know, late November, early December. Yeah. Is this a good time? We don't know. In the middle of a pandemic, well, yeah, we don't know. There's yeah. a lot of experimental factors in this one. And so the fact that it has hit uh, 130000 $150,000, we are very... one hundred and sixty-two. One hundred sixty-two. Okay, I haven't checked it this morning. Almost um, 163, in fact. <laughs> so we're happy with it. But yeah, please, if you're into superheroes at all or you mm. want to take a look at the First Responders book, uh, we have a lot of previews in the updates, just giving mm. you detailed information on what these, these books are.
1: And this Kickstarter, although it ends tomorrow, so we are really mm. just getting in there, so if, if you do hear this nice. tomorrow, which is Friday recording on the Thursday.
2: Friday you or maybe d- even Saturday if you're quick. Uh,
1: you do have to jump on there pretty yeah. quick. Um, yeah. But as Sean mentioned earlier, if you just want to pledge $1, there'll be a pledge manager in a couple of weeks, you said. Yeah. Where,
3: where you can... Actually, you know, I think this year we're going to Delay that until January, right, just okay. because of the holiday. Mm, yeah, so yeah. it wouldn't be till January that opens yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. So
1: it might be, it might be worth doing that and just sticking a dollar in there just to save your place, so you can get in on that pledge yeah. manager. If if you don't have time to decide exactly what you want to pledge for by tomorrow, or you could just go there and pledge yeah. for the whole thing tomorrow. Whichever.
3: Yeah. We, have, and the thing is that we have bundles of stuff, and the bundles mm. always end up being a really, really good deal. We don't, we don't do the math for for the public, but. By the time the end of the Kickstarter rolls around, people are like, oh, I'm getting $200 worth of books for $110. Yeah. Oh, I should update to that level.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's been a real pleasure having you on, Sean. I've been looking Thank forward you. to this one. Um, you know, Like I said, I've met you once before very, very briefly, but this is the first time we've actually had an extended conversation. Right. So I've really, really enjoyed it. Thanks so much. And please, next time, next it's time you guys pleasure. have a Kickstarter coming up, please come back
2: talk to us about Ooh. that we'll try yeah. and get you
1: in a bit earlier yeah. next time rather than the day before it ends oh, okay as it, long as it's not it, it, earlier it means, than
2: 6am <laughs> yeah, it, it means earlier in the calendar month not the day right.
1: <laughs> thank you so much for coming on uh, next thank week you. we will be counting down the top 10 talk and actual playing podcasts from our big annual poll that'll be a fun one let yes. That's always a very, very
2: popular episode as
3: well. Sean, sure, it's been
2: really good. Thanks so much yeah, for Yeah, it's been nice on.
3: talking, guys. Thank you. I appreciate you having
0: us on. Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPT News, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here.
2: What was I saying? What was I talking about? Um, you were going <laughs> to say Hudson, stop eating the Christmas tree.
1: Is he? Oh, Hudson, get off. Get off. Hudson, yes. get off. Thank you. That's please.
2: Hudson, the podcast dog who... Uh, yes, Hudson, the podcast dog <laughs> who was apparently trying to eat my Christmas tree. Which That's You it. cannot do. Yes. But he, he, he could eat it, but that would be a problem. Okay.
1: Yeah, if you do see Hudson Troy to eat the Christmas tree, do let me know.